1: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That is Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. Let's rock and roll. We are talking Notre Dame and North Carolina. Ryan, yesterday we kind of dove into the Tar Heels, kind of broke down what who they are, spent a lot of time on the offense because that's the side to be most concerned about. Today we're going to go a different angle. Tomorrow we're going to give our keys to the game, and then Friday we're going to make our predictions. But today... We're going to look at this matchup specifically between Notre Dame and North Carolina. So yesterday was an intro to just the opponent. Today is how do these two teams stack up against each other? And it really is interesting. You know, we talked yesterday and we we kind of joked that if you could take the best part of Notre Dame, it's defense, the best part of North Carolina, it's offense, make them one team. That's a really good team. The problem is the other side of the ball for both teams has struggled mightily. And I'm not sure which one is worse. Ohio State's or I mean, excuse me, Notre Dame's offense or North Carolina's defense. I tend to lean towards North Carolina's defense because of the quality of the competition. However, this is what makes this matchup really intriguing, Ryan. Before we dive into the specifics of the run game and the pass game and the situational football, I think the intriguing part of this is you've got the good-on-good good and the bad-on-bad bad matchup yep. in this game. And which good-on-good good side wins that battle, which of the bad-on-bad bad sides wins that battle – that's what makes this a really intriguing matchup, right? just from a big picture standpoint.
2: I mean, it's something has to give at some point, right, Brian? Like good and bad, right? It's like UNC's offense versus Notre Dame's defense, good on good. One of them has to give at some point, right? Same way on the other side. One bad offense right now for Notre Dame, one bad defense for North Carolina. Who is going to capitalize on that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it literally is just like a breaking point, I think, between both these teams because they're polar opposites in a lot of ways, right? And it just how happens that the matchups are good versus good and bad versus bad, and eventually one has to come out on top, right? So I'm really interested to see just what is the breaking point before between this, these teams because they are just such different football teams, like polar opposites, really. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, when you kind of look
1: at the matchup, it's really similar to what we have seen in past matchups, right? Going into last year's matchup, Notre Dame had been struggling for much of the season on offense. Mm-hmm. We started to see a little bit of a wake-up call a little bit for Notre Dame in that matchup, kind of in that USC game, which was, which was the week before for Notre Dame. But up until that point in time, <clears throat> well, I, I guess I should say, the last couple drives of the Virginia Tech game, we saw the offense wake up, and they did okay against USC, kind of started to show a little bit of life, and when we talk about how well the offense played down the stretch, a lot of it had to do with it started against North Carolina, and it's and it was kind of the wake-up call for the Notre Dame offense in that game. Went for 526 yards, which was the highest mark of the regular season for Notre Dame. The 7.7 yards per play was also the second highest of the season, the only higher uh, was against Georgia Tech later in the year, but up coming into that game, Notre Dame's highest yards per play was 6.2 in the opener, 6.0 against against Toledo. They hadn't been above 5.8 in between then, and they were coming off of a game against USC where they were at 5.4. So Notre Dame's offense was able to get right a little bit last year, and for North Carolina, it's it's a similar story. Really potent offense, really porous defense, and and again, it was the same story last year. You know, they were coming off of a game. Prior to playing Notre Dame, they had a bye week, just like they did this week. They had a bye week, and they were coming off of a, a win over Miami that they won 45-42, in which their defense gave up a lot of points and a lot of yards, and they weren't as bad as they are this year, but they were bad, at least coming into that game. They got worse down the stretch in 2021. You know, But this year, you look at it, Ryan, and, and despite not playing great competition, they've struggled. So it's similar story. Can the Notre Dame offense score enough? against a struggling North Carolina defense to win the game? And then, can Notre Dame's offense make enough stops? The interesting thing about the matchup the last two years, Ryan, is Notre Dame had a harder time stopping last year's North Carolina offense, which wasn't as good as the offense the year before that they shut down pretty well after the first two drives. So, It it is kind of fascinating. The road game down in Chapel Hill against what I felt was a much better offense with Javante Williams and Michael Carter and De'Ami Brown and all those guys, uh, Daz Newsom in the slot, that was a much better offense than what we saw last year. But last year's offense was better, and a big part of it was Sam Howell was more of a threat with his legs last year than he was the year before. So this year we don't know what we're going to get because I don't think we know truly what Carolina is because of the quality of the competition and because of their defense, they are learning a new defense. It's going to get better. I have full faith and confidence that Gene Chiswick's going to get it better. It's how much better and how quickly, which is kind of the same storyline with what we're seeing from the Notre Dame offense. So this is really a fascinating matchup, and we're starting to get into the point of the season, Ryan, where you really – team who teams are starts to show more and more and more, and that's what makes this – also what makes this a really interesting matchup. Everyone should start their day with a great cup of coffee. And for my family, that means the latest blend from Trade Coffee. My wife loves Trade Coffee. And when my parents were in town for the Notre Dame season opener, I turned them on to Trade Coffee as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before. Because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste-testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. The coffee we got from Trade was superb. My wife is very picky with her coffee. I've told you that before, so I trusted Trade Coffee and had her fill out their quiz. They sent us three different blends, and they batted a 1,000. We received the Holmes blend from Sparrow Coffee in Michigan, the Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York, and the Black Velvet from Atomic Roasters in Massachusetts. That's our collection, and trust me, we're adding to it. But if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off. Try it out today.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: It's it's really intriguing, Brian. Because I mean, right now, if North Carolina maintained this offensive firepower, because someone on the, on the board I don't know if you saw this asked if they're similar to Ohio State. And my immediate reaction is like, no, no, they're not. They're not quite at that level, right? But right. this could be a big litmus test as far as how good are they? Are they one of the top five to ten offenses in all of college football? Can they maintain this against the better teams on their schedule? This would be a big indicator of just how good drake may this passing attack and the young running backs are in this football game like we'll get a really good understanding come out of this football game of just how good this offense could be for north carolina Mm -hmm. and on the flip side brian like i am just can this defense really be that bad could it really be this bad bad because like on paper it is horrible and the fact that they haven't played a great team yet gives you like a lot of big pause and i agree with you i think gene shizik's going to improve the unit because he's He's, he's here for a reason, right? Like he's been right. a successful coach for a reason. Like he knows the game. But right now, man, it's like I'm just very curious to see both if the offense is as good as those numbers indicate or can be as good as those numbers indicate, and if the defense is really that bad. This is a big, big test for them to show me exactly what North Carolina is because I don't 100% have a full understanding of them. Like I know what they have on film right now, but there's a little bit of a – curve that you throw in there because they haven't played the best of teams up to this point I I think two things
1: I don't think the offense is quite as good as it shows statistically but it's very good and very dangerous I mean that's always true early in the year you know when you have that one game that kind of puffs your stats out a little bit you know when you play three games you have one off game or one really good game it can really it can really puff your stats up a bit. I mean, they've scored 63 points against App State. They didn't get all 63 of those on offense. You know, but yeah. they, they scored 56 in the, against an FCS team, but they moved the ball at will against Appalachian State, who's, as we've seen in other games, seems to have a pretty, pretty good defense. It's not great, but pretty good defense this year. You know, but it is very good. And no, I don't think their defense is as bad as it shows shown to me. I think part of it is they've been on the field a lot, obviously, because of how explosive their offense has been and you know I mean you you look at the 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 total plays that they they've been on the field so far this year I mean they've been on the the offense has been on the field for or defense has been on the field for 223 plays that's an average of over 70 per game and so I mean and and part and it's that low because of the A&M game Florida A&M game the FAMU game because they were on the field for 79 plays against Appalachian State and for 78 plays against Georgia State so Part of that is they got to make more stops, but then also their offense has been so explosive. You almost kind of wonder if playing a better offense or playing a better defense might actually help the Carolina defense. You know what I mean? Like if if they're playing a team that is maybe making some stops or making Carolina work for yards, does that help them? You know, kind of have more time to adjust because that's part of the, the like there, there's the thought is like well when a team goes fast the defense is g- gets on the, it's on the field a lot. That's part of it. The other part of it is when a team scores fast, you don't have a lot of time in between drives to make adjustments, to get coaching done, to get communication with your staff, and then get that communication relayed to your, to your players and then make those adjustments. I mean, there's a lot of communication that goes on between Sears. Hey, what are you saying? What they do here? And then you've got to relay that up to the booth or if it's the coordinator's down in the field, whatever the case may be. And when your offense is just really fast tempo and scoring quickly and or scoring quickly, which North Carolina does a little bit of both, they're not a blazing fast. They're not, you know, Oregon 2011 type of tempo, but they they go, they move with tempo. Mm -hmm. And when you're scoring with the big plays that they're hitting, you don't have a lot of time. So it's almost kind of like if you're if you're, Gene Shizek, you're like, man, I hope the Notre Dame defense comes to play today for just a few series. You know, like we still want to score, but maybe make us work a little bit for those scores so that way we can have more time. and Just like I don't think the Notre Dame offense is as bad as it's been so far this year. I mean, I think both units are going to be better than what we have seen. It's just, will this be the week that it happens for one or both of them? And it's kind of hard to think of it both happening at the same time. I don't know how that makes a lot of sense. But I think that's the question is North Carolina will get better. How much better Mm -hmm. remains to be seen. If you're Notre Dame, you just hope that this isn't the week. And if you're North Carolina, you hope this isn't the week that Notre Dame's offense has a breakout. I mean, there's just something, like you said, right at the very beginning, something's got to give, right? Something's got to give. And I just don't know what what that's going
2: to be, you know, in – it is a little unsettling when you think about it like this though, so, Brian, like even if Notre Dame has a nice breakout offensively, if North Carolina is nearly as good as they, what they've been on offense, I'm not even saying like to that point, like I'm I'm not like they're not going to score 57 points in Notre Dame. Right. It, but if they are nearly that good, I don't want Notre Dame to get into the the point where like you have right. to win in a shootout. Right. Like that's not your right. style. You know what I mean? Like that's why I'm, Cautious, cautious in seeing just how good this offense is for North Carolina because if Notre Dame can bring them down a couple pegs, right, and you can kind of play to more your style than their style, then Notre Dame is going to be in this game and, and have a competitive football game. But I, I just that's why I'm more optimistic. Uh, that's why I'm more curious about what North Carolina's offense is compared to their defense because I do not want Notre Dame to get into that match where like, hey, we're trying to match. Score for score because our offense is having a good day and where our defense just isn't playing up the snuff, right? Like, I think the big thing for Notre Dame is like you want to play your style of football, right? Like you want to dictate the pace of this game or at least the momentum of this game. You can't get into that shootout match where Mm -hmm. that's going to play into North Carolina's favor, and that is not the way to go, in my opinion. For me, it's it's
1: kind of when you're Notre Dame, and we'll get into a little bit more of this tomorrow. When you're Notre Dame, you've got to be careful that you're not. Playing us, and this hurt them against Ohio State. You can't get too far into the keep away game. And I've already seen people say, You got to run yes. the ball and keep it away from North Carolina. All I, I've said this all a million times all that does is turn a 44 to 41 loss into a 27 to 24 loss. You're still going to lose if you're not playing your game. You still got to play your game. You still have to find ways to generate big play opportunities. You're not going to beat North Carolina. Playing the way you did against against Marshall or I Mean Cal. And I and I even mean not even the way that they played as far as the missed execution. I'm simply saying that game plan doesn't work against North Carolina if you're going to win, unless your defense is just brilliant, like it was in 2020. You know, last year's game was a little bit different, Ryan, uh, simply because you know, Notre Dame always, I mean, they they pretty much led. The entire game, they were in control for most of the entire game. And, and really, it was just some big place in North Carolina that kept allowing them to hang around. But there were multiple times. I think North Carolina took like one lead. I think it was like third quarter. They quickly took a lead in the third quarter. The Notre Dame got it right back literally less than a minute later. And then every time Notre Dame, you felt like they were going to kind of pull away. You know, they went up 31-20. Caroline answered back. They went up 41-27. Caroline answered back. And, you know, you don't want to be in that situation where because you don't have Jack Cohn to rescue you like you did last year when the defense was giving stuff up. So, like you said, you don't want to be in a situation where now it's on the road where, you know, you miss opportunities to put a team away that you should put away. But you have to be careful that you don't get so much into the keep away that you lose any chance of rhythm you have on offense. Mm -hmm. And that's the that's the that's the the interesting aspect of this matchup. But let's speaking of the matchup, Ryan. How about we dive into the matchup now? Let's kind of get to it, and a lot of stuff we can continue as we're as we're diving into that. But when you know, kind of what we're doing here today is we are going to do we're going to take a matchup. We're going to discuss how Notre Dame's rush offense, pass offense, scoring offense matches up against the, the the Carolina areas of that of their defense, and then we'll flip sides Notre Dame's offense defense against the Carolina offense, and just kind of talk about who holds the advantage based on paper. Try to get some context of the numbers, and then. Also discuss some some areas, Ryan, <clears throat> of the personnel matchups within these statistical matchups that are going to be important to the game. And so we're going to begin with the Notre Dame rushing offense against the North Carolina rush defense. And I think this is a, you, know, you talk about the the good on good matchups or the bad on bad matchups. This is the biggest bad on bad matchup of so that, that we're going to find, in my opinion. I think a case could be made that the Notre Dame pass offense is worse than the pass than the rush offense and I would agree with that but I think the North Carolina pass defense is a little bit better than its rush defense. I could be wrong on that but that's kind of how I perceive it but it's they're neither of them that good. Notre Dame had a bit of a breakout on Saturday Ryan and it's kind of it shows how bad you were that 147 yards is considered a breakout for a team like Notre Dame. That's what they did against against uh Cal this past weekend. But Notre Dame, as you can see, ranks in the bottom 30 in the country in yards per game and yards per attempt, as does the North Carolina defense. Notre Dame ranks slightly higher uh, in the disruptives. Notre Dame has been better at disrupting. or uh, They haven't allowed a lot of disruptives, which this part down here, Ryan, this, this number down here is actually kind of troubling if you're Notre Dame. Yes. Because mm-hmm. you're in a situation where it's like, you're not rushing the ball. Okay. Well, you're giving up a lot of negatives or, you know, you've had a lot of tackles. They're not really giving up a lot of those. They had, you know, Ohio state had some, but they're not, they're doing a pretty decent job of limiting negatives. The problem is they're just not getting any push. And even on Saturday against Cal, we saw a a much better performance, but it wasn't like they were opening up these gaping holes. So I'm very curious how this matchup's going to be Ryan, but this is, this is, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard for me to, to pick one, I, I I gave the the advantage here. I Didn't give either one an advantage. So I'm going to have an article coming out later, breaking these numbers down. And and I went even on this one because they're both bad. And it's, I think if you were going to give Notre Dame an advantage, it would be because Notre Dame's pr- production has come against better teams. than then you could argue that North Carolina's rush defense. You know they've they've given up 56 yards to Florida A and M pretty good performance, but then 288 to App State and 235 to Georgia State. Notre Dame obviously struggled to run the football against Ohio State, only had 176 yards, or 76 yards, I wish, the 176 yards. That would have been a different outcome <laughs> if they had rushed 176 yards. Ran for only 130 against Marshall and 147 against Cal. Notre Dame's best yards per carry uh, average on the season is 3.6 this past weekend. So two, definitely, Ryan, two struggling units coming into this game.
2: This one's the biggest indicator for me, Brian, if I'm being completely honest. like This is where I'll have a good, I think, understanding of how this game – Kind like if I had to look at a box square after the game and I just kind of had everything else blocked out and I saw what Notre Dame's rush offense was able to do against, Notre, uh, against North Carolina's rush defense, I think that's a big indicator in this game because one thing I think you saw last week, there was more of an emphasis on running the football. By design, by necessity, a little bit of everything, but I think that whether – it's going to be nearly to that degree or it's just going to be kind of a, a kick up as far as the dependency of running the football, I think that you're going to see an emphasis on establishing it because that's that's how Notre Dame needs to win right now, right? Like we've talked about the passing offense and kind of there's maybe a little bit of a ceiling on it right now just with some wide receiver injuries and inconsistencies and quarterback play and, and everything kind of put together, right? So I think running the football is going to be very important for Notre Dame. And North Carolina has showed over the last couple of games that they're not very good at stopping the run, right? So I think that it's it's not even a keep-away thing for me, right? Because, again, I, I know you already talked about that a little bit. I don't want Notre Dame to just be, we have to run the ball every play and we're just going to keep them off the field. Like, that's not the, the recipe for success. But I think a recipe for success is to dominate in the yes. trenches and to in, dominate yes. as a rushing team. So with that in mind, you have to be able to take what has not been a strength of yours – make it close to a strength and then dominate what's been an extreme weakness for the team that you're playing. Right. right? So I think this is a big indicator of this football game. Notre Dame has to dominate this particular matchup because you cannot go against this bad of a rush defense and come out and say, wow, we didn't really have a good game rushing the football. That is a big siren off as if the first three games rushing the football hasn't been like kind of a alert, you know, uh, kind of for the fan base and just an analyst base. If they're not able to run the football against North Carolina, that is not a big
1: red flag. Yeah, that's a big red flag, Ryan. And, you know, you talk about turning what's been a weakness into a strength. I mean, everything on offense so far this year has been a weakness. The the thing that I would say is, and we would both agree on this, the running game was expected to be a strength of this football team. They came into the season thinking it was going to be a strength of this football team. And last week you started to show it a little bit now you have to do it but i'm going to i'm going to say this however is there's more there we'll get to the actually you we know, we'll get to the pass game here in a minute and what that how that's going to impact the run game i think for me when it comes to the run game it's about an establishing a a, a an attitude in this game i think that even last week we saw the line play better but i mm-hmm. think if this offense is going to get turned around especially with the change of quarterback that they have to come out in the offensive line, has to start asserting its will even, to an even greater degree than it did a week ago. I think that's very, very important. I think that, that the North Carolina front is not as big, in my opinion, as what Cal had. But the mm-hmm. thing that I'll say, Ryan, is I think there's more actual talent there. And that's the yes. interesting and intriguing thing about this matchup, if you're looking at it for North Carolina, is North Carolina has some dudes on defense in their front mm-hmm. seven that, that you look and say, boy, if, if Miles Murphy jumped into portal this off season uh, and he has grades sign me up, you know what I mean? Like I- I'll take him. If, if Noah Taylor has a sixth year of eligibility and Isaiah Foskey's in the pros, and you're looking for a, a, another Viper to fill Fosky's shoes, sign me up. You know, I- I'll let him come in and provide some depth. There's some guys on this, this Desmond Evans is a t- young, but very talented player. So uh, another guy that I would say, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that guy to provide some depth. Now, not all of them would come to Notre Dame and start. I'm not saying that. But they're good players who would be part of the rotation. Miles Murphy would start next year when Jason Adam Mule leaves, in my opinion. Yeah. But it's not that they have a bunch of bad players. They have more athletic talent than what Cal had. They're just mm-hmm. not as good of football players as what Cal had. And they're not coached as well yet as what Cal is, where Justin Wilcox and Peter Sermon have kind of built that thing over the course of years, Gene Shisdix is kind of starting over from scratch with this group. Yep. I mean, he, he's having to do with the defense what Chansey Stuckey and, and Harry Heestand are having to do, but even worse, because mm-hmm. the North Carolina defense was even worse than what the Notre Dame receivers and offensive line were, as we saw when they played each other last year. You know, they made the Notre Dame offensive line look pretty good. You know, and, and then just their inability, they couldn't tackle. I mean, they, they they had a play that should have been a minus four tackle for loss pinning Notre Dame around their five-yard line turns into a 91-yard touchdown run, right? That's how bad their defense was last year. I don't think they're that bad now, even though the mm-hmm. st- the statistics aren't pretty. But this is still a game that if you're Notre Dame, you have to assert your will. And it's not about ball control. To your point, Ryan, and I'm glad you said this. Uh, people said, I thought Miles Murphy was a Clemson. There's two of them. One yep. is a defensive end for Clemson, same the other is a defensive class tackle. Too. Yeah, same recruiting yeah. class. The other one yep. is a defensive tackle for North Carolina. Um, that the Miles Murphy from North Carolina was, was a borderline top 100 guy, it's, it's still a, a different player. Um, uh, but he was still a good prospect nonetheless. You're still a top 150 caliber prospect, in my opinion. Borderline top 100 guy, in my view. Good football player. So, yes, different, different players. I know it can be confusing. But when, when I look at the matchup, Ryan, I don't want them to establish the run because they're trying to play keep away from North Carolina. That's what I hate. Yep. If you're going to come out and dominate the, with the run game, it's because that's the identity you're trying to establish with your football team. And right. I, I just don't feel when you try to play keep away, you can win games that way. Yes, Notre Dame kept Ohio State's points downs. But you know what? They lost. They lost by 11. Right? You still have to score. And I'd rather win in a shootout than lose in a game like 21 to 10 against Ohio state. Right. And so there does have to be that. So I don't want to to be a ball control thing. We'll get into some of the keys next next tomorrow, but I want to see them still spreading Carolina out. I still want to see them. You maintain that same philosophy that they had this past week of get your movement, get on the perimeter, do the things to make North Carolina do this because it's even more pertinent now because last week, getting the eye discipline off getting guys moving and thinking and spreading them out and creating those those lanes allows you to go for five yards six yards nine yards and really lean on Carolina against or Cal against Carolina those things turn into 50 yard gains because the they're more prone to the bigger mistakes where you were trying to get into a very disciplined defense to pause just enough to give you room to work that's what the the game plan was against Cal the purpose against Carolina with those similar concepts and similar philosophy, even though the game plan to be different is now you're hoping to create a crease that Chris Tyree can split for a big game. You're trying to yeah. out leverage them with a motion and then a shift, you know, where, where you're trying to out leverage them in a way where you're on a jet or a outside zone or something like that, where you're trying to out leverage them. And then you're going to, you're going to gash them. That's the mm-hmm. difference. So I don't want it to be a ground and pound thing. I want it to be a we're going to pound on him because this is who we are. This is who we want to be, looking at it from the Notre Dame offensive standpoint. But we're also looking to create big plays with the run game. And I think that's a big part of it as well because there's too much talent for them not to be better than what they've been. And you hope that the Cal game was kind of a step in the right direction. Because I would say going for 147 against Cal is getting to about North Carolina's average, about 190 against the North Carolina, relatively speaking. I don't yeah. know if that's going to be quite good enough with the way the pass game has been, Ryan. I think it needs to be a more dominant, big play performance, and, and even beyond the total yards, this is the number I'm going to have my biggest eye on in this game. It's the yards per carry that needs to start going way up, way up, moving forward.
2: Well, well one thing that I'm really looking forward to, Brian, is we, we talked all off season about the Harry stand effect and the talent that they have on the offensive line. If you're Notre Dame, right, and We've seen spurts of good stuff over the first three games, but it's not been nearly good enough. I want to see Notre Dame impose their will a little bit on this North Carolina defensive front, this front seven just in general, because they have talent. There's no doubt. I mean, you mentioned Desmond Evans. You mentioned Miles Murphy. You mentioned Noah Taylor. Both the linebackers, although inconsistent, Cedric Gray, I mean, like they have talent, right? Like they're not like bad athletes in any sense. But for Notre Dame – to make me feel better about where they're going, I need to see that glimpse into that offensive line this week, man. I need to see Blake Fisher pissed off this week, right? Like I need to see this entire offensive line playing with a sense of urgency and moving the line of scrimmage because let's call it what it is. The front seven for North Carolina is not a good unit. It's not. The front seven, the run-stopping team, I mean, you can see the graphic and kind of come to that conclusion, right? But it's on film they are not nearly as good of football players in the front seven as they are talented, right? So, when I, they're a the type of team that I think if Notre Dame comes out and they punch them in the mouth a little bit, I don't, I don't know if they'll punch back. If I'm being completely honest, like this is the game where you impose the will. We've been excited about that maturation of the offensive line. This is the week to see it because that will lead to this key matchup of if Notre Dame's able to establish and have a big game running the football, two hundred plus yards. That's my expectations for this this week for Notre Dame's rushing offense.
1: Yep. Let's dive into the pass game, Ryan. And the Notre Dame pass offense against the North Carolina pass defense. Similarly bad. Not a whole lot is different here. <laughs> They're both neither are necessarily very good in this part of the game. I think that with Notre Dame, I, I think it's again, it's the competition has been different, but you can't keep using that excuse. The competition has been so hasn't been so tough. It's not like pastures where you start the season with like Michigan, Michigan State and Purdue, right? Like it's Marshall and Cal, right? And, and so Notre Dame's numbers are slightly better. I went advantage Notre Dame here, but it's it's debatable. It's absolutely yeah. debatable. It's not one where I felt like, oh, yeah, 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 Notre Dame. But they do hold an advantage in, I mean, just about every category. They're ranked higher than North Carolina uh, in, in just about every discernible category in this regard, especially when you consider they have played two quality defenses so far. Advantage Notre Dame, but it, it, it's got to be a bigger advantage. This is part. This is the part of the game more than anything that has to get a lot better because teams are just going to con- – North Carolina is going to do what Cal and Marshall and Ohio State did and what Oklahoma State did in the second half of their game and what every team that played Notre Dame tough at the beginning of last year did. Put numbers in the box – Don't let them rip you the pass game or run game. Make Drew Pine beat you. They're going to do that. Now, is North Carolina capable schematically or skill-wise to stop to do that? I don't know. But I would have also told you that neither was Marshall. You know, and so – but they did. And and so this is a game where the pass game, Ryan, it's a slight advantage Notre Dame – but you know, I just I, I don't feel I don't feel good about it. If you're Notre Dame, I mean, this is a part of the game that is the biggest concern because if you're if you're rush if your rush offense is going early, Ryan, and, and you do get some success early in the ground game, North Carolina's just going to say nope, not doing. It. They're just going to start bringing fires and overloaded boxes to the point where like you're not going to have anywhere to work. If the pass game doesn't complement them more this game than it did last week. They're gonna have a hard time scoring enough points to win this game. Because to your point, I don't think this is a game you win 20 to 17 or 24 to 17. I don't think it's gonna be that. I mean, Notre Dame defense could play really well and hold North mm-hmm. Carolina to 24 to 20 and still give up 24 to 27 points. Right? Now they could play lights out like they did a couple of years ago. They could do that, but you can't you can't ask them to keep holding this Carolina offense down you know, eventually yeah. your offense is going to have to wake up. And the only way that happens for Notre is if this part of the game right here gets a lot better in a hurry. It doesn't mean throwing 87 bombs. They've got to be more efficient. They've got to take advantage of the plays that are still there, complete passes, and then do more. Tommy Reese needs to continue to get more creative with what he's doing formationally and, and motion-wise and play-action game and different things like that is if north carolina is being aggressive you've got to do things where you're building your pass game into your run game and vice versa you know so rpos against carolina are very successful play action shots can be very successful against carolina as well and when you get one-on-ones don't be afraid to take them i think that's the big thing for me is if you're not willing to take those shots then you know you're you're going to be trouble i mean look App State threw for 361 yards and six touchdowns against this defense. I mean, mm-hmm. stop talking to me about it's a talent problem when I'm looking at that. When I'm looking yes. at North Carolina, when I'm looking at FAMU completing, there's passing for 71 uh, percent, 71%, completing 71.8 percent of their passes and throwing for 279 yards against this North Carolina team. When I'm seeing FAMU do that, don't talk to me about talent. Don't talk to me; about it's a talent problem. It's a coaching problem, and it's a and it's a player focus problem. It's a player execution problem, and it's a coach is not getting the right people. So forget all this other stuff about what you want to be offensively, and you know I'm you know NFL stuff. And look, put your best flipping players in the field. Get Chris Tyree Mm -hmm. involved from snap one. Give Drew Pine some chances to throw the ball downfield. Stop coaching scared. Stop coaching like you're afraid your player's going to make a mistake. Put flippant Tobias Merriweather out there, and when he makes a mistake, you say, yeah, of course, he's a freaking freshman. He's going to make mistakes. Put Eli, Eli Raritan out there and let your talented kids go make plays. That's the only way this thing is going to work for Notre Dame is stop trying to go win with Jaden Thomas and Matt Salerno being a focal point of your offense because you want to run a bunch of stuff. Get your dudes out there take some chances, and then when the opportunities come for Drew Pine, he needs to hit those throws. And I think that getting Mm – I think getting the – getting last week under his belt, I think is going to be big for Drew. You got the start out of your way. You got the nerves out of your way. You got the W. Now just calm down and go be you. And I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that that results in Drew – getting some of the sw- cuz he did you a year ago he's the the Connor McGregor strut kid throwing TD passes against Wisconsin and this week this last week he looked like a kid guy that was afraid to make a mistake like okay yeah. you got that out of your way get back to the swagger kid get back to the dude that was launching bombs against against Kobe Bryant and beating the you know the, the, having Braden Lindsay beating the uh, the Jim Thorpe award winner for a touchdown to to turn a game that you were down 17 nothing into a 7-13 game 17-13 game, right? That's what I want to see. Get back to that kid. And if you do that against North Carolina, Ryan, this right here will be a Notre Dame victory in this particular matchup. I'm not saying victory in the game, but this particular matchup. That's what they need to see. But also, Tommy Reese needs to help them by giving them the best players to work with. That's a big part of this for me,
2: too. 100%. I mean, it's a it's a full effort here, and there's no excuses. There's not. I mean, you talked about, Brian, the first three games North Carolina's played. All due respect to Mr. Musa from Florida AM. All due respect to Chase Bryce, who all, by the way, Chase Bryce lost his top three receivers from last year for App State. And all due respect to Darren Granger, who's a pretty decently talented kid from Georgia State, who also, by the way, lost his most talented receiver, Sam Pinckney, last year this offseason. If they're having that much success passing the football against North Carolina, I don't care if your backup quarterback's in for Notre Dame. I don't care. I don't care if you haven't been playing Chase well. Price, until this Price is point. a kid There's... that had ten touchdowns and fifteen interceptions the last time he was starting as a Power Five quarterback. Yep. It, it, Sorry. It, Sorry. And it it illustrates. No, no, you're you're 100 right. I mean, it, it strengthens my, my opinion here. Right? It's there are zero excuses. I don't want to. If you come out of this game, and you're just like, well, you know, we have some. We have some flaws in our passing game. We're not playing well. No, it's not an excuse against this unit. I'm sorry. It's not. You see right. these graphics, people, right? Like 11 touchdowns in three games. Brian already mentioned the six touchdowns that Chase Bryce threw against this team. Against There's zero. Or the AM, Appalachian yep. State, and Georgia
1: State. Yes. Repeat that it, again. It's, FAMU, yes. FAMU,
2: App State, Georgia State. It's zero excuses, man. Zero. I don't want to hear about it anymore. This is a this is a part of the game. You have to win. You have to. You have to. There's no excuses. Yeah. I mean, Brian, like it, you're you're so much more. You're not actually. Let me let me backtrack for a second. North Carolina's secondary is very talented from an athleticism perspective on the back end, right? You have Tony Grimes. You have Storm Duck. You have Cameron Kelly. They have some guys in theory, but it doesn't matter because they're not good right now, right? This is a bad pass defense. There is zero excuses. I don't want to come to the post-game show on Saturday and say like, oh, man, just not good. No, it's it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Oh, your quarterbacks only making a second start. I don't care. Your wide receivers aren't playing. I don't care. There's no excuses. I'm done with the excuses for this pass offense when you're playing against this pass defense zero okay. excuses you have to get this one done
1: so I think a big part of this too is protection the offensive line has to give the quarterback time we saw them do a much better job of that last week that has to continue I really like Noah Taylor I do I, I liked him at Virginia he had a sack against Notre Dame back in 2019 uh, I, I really like uh, I, I've always liked him long range kid he just hasn't been able to stay healthy a lot right I mean that's a big been a big problem for him he, he's had some injuries but he's a good player Miles Murphy's a, a a kid that's got some ability as a pass rusher up the middle, not a thumb, but he's got some, uh, you know, yeah. Ray Vahasic is a, a big physical kind of plug up the middle that allows blitzers to kind of come through. So there's some talent there. Uh, it's, it's just about, but you got to execute your game because it's not, it's not the kind of talent that it's like this. It's the, it's like Marshall. It's the kind of talent that if you don't play your game and you're not playing sound football, they're going to beat you. But it's also not the kind of talent where if you, if you bring your a game or even your B plus game, you're going to give the quarterback time to throw. I thought the offensive line did a very good job of that in quarters two, three, and four against Marshall. I mean, against Cal. I keep saying Marshall for some reason. Against Cal, <laughs> I thought after really the first couple of series, I thought Drew Pine had plenty of time to throw. If you can continue yep. that against North Carolina, then that's going to give you know him an opportunity to have some success. And look, this is not North Carolina's got a good a good fan base. It's not a big stadium. I've been there. It's not a super super loud stadium. It's it's a smaller. It's a little bit of a smaller crowd uh, situation. So it's not like, you know, 77,000. This isn't like 110,000 people at your stadium, right? And it's a good fan base, but it's not going to be the kind of hostile environments, 3.30 afternoon game. It's not the kind of hostile environment that you can use as an excuse for why you weren't able to get calls and or get plays made. The reality is the opportunities are there. Notre Dame is going to have to capitalize. I think Notre Dame has the advantage going into this game, Ryan. Now it needs to turn from an on-paper matchup advantage into a real advantage, but that's only going to happen if we see some continued scheme involvement. If we see more of, of Tobias Merriweather and Eli Raritan using Michael Mayer in some different ways, and then starting to kind of build your pass game around what you have talent-wise mm-hmm. instead of who you want to be. This is who Brayden Lindsey is. Use him that way. This is who Lorenzo Styles is. Use him that way. And I think that's going to be a big part of it. So that's what I'm yep. hoping that we see. It's what needs to happen. Will we see it? Uh, remains
2: to be seen. I mean, we've talked about it a ton, Brian, like the pass catchers just in general, it's a position where you can simplify things and you can take advantage of strengths that they all have. Right. I mean, I figured if we talked about this on a show, Brian, or like if we talked about it just kind of off air, but why is Brayden Lindsay just running outside vertical stem routes? Why isn't he working across the middle? Why isn't he getting screens why isn't he doing that type of work on top of some of the other stuff he's doing right like Lorenzo Stiles why are like ask him to do everything that he's comfortable with Michael Mayer right. the one good thing with last week's game although you weren't able to complete it at least I saw him run a seam route at, at last week's game right like I want to see all these different skill sets that these guys have And but you don't have to ask them to be something that they aren't no. ask them to be what they are because if you do it you can compartmentalize roles and it will all fit together well. Who cares if Tobias Merriweather doesn't know the full offense? You can get him out there. You can run three routes, and he can give you some reps and potentially make some plays. Ask these guys to do what they do well. The same thing with your quarterback, right? I don't I, like Again, I don't care who the quarterback is against his pass defense. Ask Drew Pine to do things that he is comfortable doing and get confidence into his game. You do that, and I think that Notre Dame is going to have a good day through the air, but until we see that – I'm going to have right. some concerns, but it's there's enough talent for it to happen. Right? Certainly, there's right talent's not an excuse for this game. I'm sorry, no, uh, it not. just it just isn't.
1: It, you know, again, Jeremy Musa went 28 of 38 for 279 yards. Right? Just stop with the excuses. Get it done. You know if you can't do it this week, then you have a coaching problem. You know, put Braden Lindsay in the slot. Do different and here's the thing. You you last week you had the great chance to push the ball down the field. Uh, and you didn't do it against a bunch of five ten corners. This week you're going up against a couple six-one corners. That's even more reason to get Brayden Lindsay in the slot. Don't don't put Braden Lindsay outside all game and say, okay, dude, go run comebacks and curl routes and goal routes on the perimeter in the boundary against a couple six1 physical experience corners if you do that that's not a brayden Lindsay problem that's a you problem because no good coach is going to ask Braden Lindsay to do those things against anybody much less these corners. so again it, it, if the if the coaching is right this week then I think the offense will shine. Uh, it's mm-hmm. as simple as that and, th- and let's kind of get into the last aspect of this matchup Ryan. Notre Dame scoring offense against the North Carolina scoring defense. I did not think it was possible for Notre Dame's offense, which ranks 115th in the nation in scoring and 114th in total yards and 104th in, in yards per play, to actually go into a game with better numbers than the opponent. And that's how bad North Carolina's defense is. You know, um, it, this is ridiculous. Like, it, it is ridiculous. And the crazy thing is this number right here completely – It's like when they're getting in the red zone, they're scoring, you know, but it's Mm -hmm. this number right here is a big problem. It's a big problem. They are not a big play offense, and they are not an offense that's been able to move the chains. And look, and they've been missing on some normal third-down situations too, Ryan. Like, would you – I mean, they've been in some third and longs, but like Notre Dame's been getting in like third and fours, third and fives, and it's not converting. And then, of course, they yep. get into the third get, ones and getting third ones penalties. Get penalties, on penalties. Third. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's not like they're just getting dominated on first and second down. They stink on third down. The interesting thing for me, Ryan, and this is where I kind of, I guess, have some hope for this offense that it can kind of get right, is that this has been a strength for Notre Dame in the past under Tommy Reese. They've actually had some pretty good third down offenses in the past and it's kind of it's like last year they were 46 but they got much better as the year went on but in 2010 his first year they were 7th in third down offense and you you know you just kind of if you could just get somewhat kind of close to being that team again then i think this team has a chance to be successful uh, against this yep. north carolina defense because you got to be able to move the chains because the more the more First downs, you convert. Obviously, the more plays you run, the more plays you run, the greater opportunity there is that you can make a big play. And that's going to be the big key. You have to move the chains and then create big play opportunities. If you can do that, then I think they'll be successful. And, and look, North Carolina has had a tough time stopping teams on third down. Uh, they haven't been a big turnover force team, and their red zone defense has been pretty bad. So all mm-hmm. the markers are there for this Notre Dame team to be able to go out and have success. And when you look at when you look at North Carolina, Ryan – and you look at their their kind of their production this year it's not like they had a bad game that got them to this point a m went two of three in the red zone for touchdowns app state went three of three in the red zone for touchdowns georgia state went one of one in the red zone for touchdowns so, i mean all three of their opponents have done it and you look at their third down defense, you know, they 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 gave up 50% to app state, 38.5% to florida and m. They did a better job on third down against georgia state, but georgia state's not very good on offense. But they at yeah. least improved in game 3, right? And that's going to be the interesting part is they did get better in game 3 against georgia state in that regard. Uh they had some other issues against georgia state that weren't necessarily all on the defense but you know mm-hmm. their defense also had some some issues in that game as well. I mean Georgia State's last touchdown drive was 10 plays 98 yards. You know what I mean like you know but uh it, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this how this plays out, Ryan. It is. But you got to hit some big uh, plays in this game.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you pit you picked out the third down offensive performance from Notre Dame so far, because that was actually one of the first things that I noticed on the graphic, mm-hmm. honestly, when you kind of were just starting to talk. And it's so funny, Brian, like when you think about just the struggles they've had, you start thinking about, you know, Notre Dame getting stuffed on third and fourth and one against Marshall, you start thinking about the full start penalties. And it's it's just been ugly, man. Like it is like I always... I, I talk to myself sometimes when I watch football games, and my wife makes fun of me. But like usually on like third downs, when Notre Dame needs a big fir- third down or the team that I'm rooting for, I'll just say like you know just get a fir- just get get the conversion and, and breathe right, like get the conversion and breathe because it's a high stress situation at that point, right? Third downs are very high stress, and it's been a very it's been a killer to my psyche and the Notre Dame psyche yeah. so far this year. The fact that they have been just so bad on third down, right? And yeah, again this is one thing has to break here, right? Either North Carolina is going to come out of this game and say like defensively, we feel a ton better about what we have been over the first three games. This is where it's going to go better for us. Or you're going to look at Notre Dame and you're going to say, Oh, this is the get right game. This could be a get right game Mm -hmm. for both of these units on this board. The question is, who's it going to be, but it's going to be a big tell again, how explosive Notre Dame could be against this team. I, I need to see some big plays. It needs to happen. If you're just a ground and pound team against this team, I just, I'm not sure that that's a, I I don't think that that's a recipe for success because I think Notre Dame is going to get the threat of making themselves too one dimensional if that's just the the point of emphasis, right? So it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, and and I think Carolina barbecue. No Carolina barbecue. Sorry, I just saw it in the chat.
1: No, it's okay. Yeah, I do not. Uh, Somebody asked me if I was going to get some Carolina barbecue. Uh, (laughs) I am not. The only the only place I've had barbecue in the Carolinas that I've really liked. There's a place in Clemson called the Smoking Mm -hmm. Pig which has got some really good barbecue. We enjoyed it there. But it wasn't like what I got. I got pulled pork and I got brisket. And it wasn't really like it wasn't really vinegar based. I don't like the vinegar based barbecue.
2: Yeah, so vinegar is not that, the best. That's, good, point. Yeah, that's my, good point. That's my good point. It's idea. not as bad as the Alabama sauce or whatever, like the white sauce. Yeah, so I've goodness. never had that before.
1: I never had that before.
2: I, I would never suggest it. Yes. Uh. Yeah. It's not my not my thing.
1: I, I remember. I first time I ever had it was I was actually my freshman year of college. I actually went to college in North Carolina, uh, in Fayetteville, Vietnam, and I had some barbecue down there. I was like, Yeah, this is not good. I'm not a fan. It could have just been that place, but nah, I'm not a fan. But anyway, back to this conversation. Ryan got startled <laughs> when I when I put that comment in there. Uh, the, the This is where I think Notre Dame not having Avery Davis has hurt the most, because yeah. a, Avery Davis was kind of Tommy Reese's third down security blanket. You know what I mean? Like he would design stuff that that he would always like have a plan, a mayor slash Avery Davis third down plan, right? And I don't think he trusts the current group of receivers as much as he did Avery. Understandably so. I mean, when Lorenzo Styles is dropping a ball on third down that hits him right in the hands, that's not Drew Pine's fault. That's not Tommy Reese's fault. That's Lorenzo's fault, right? He's got to make that play. Right. And he's capable of making that play. He's a very talented player. So he's just got to make the play. You know, when other guys are doing things that that you're just saying, hey, the, the call's there, you got to execute it. So he's going to have to figure out who's my third down guys other than Michael Mayer because teams are looking at Michael Mayer on third down. They're keying on him on third down. Who's going to become your new third down weapons? And somebody's got to step up and say, hey, coach, third down, get me the rock. And that's that's where Avery Davis was like – he was the second kind of the guy. Like when it was third down, I was like, okay, all right, you right. I've been hanging out the first couple downs, but now this is my down. This is my down. Yeah. And that's where you know not having Avery's hurt there, if we're going to be honest. I mean, you, not having Avery doesn't excuse all of this, right, because other people haven't stepped up. Uh, but that's the one scenario where it has hurt and nobody else has stepped up. But you've got to find some other weapons. You've got to find some other options on third down because you can't keep doing that. You're, they're not good enough at the skill positions, in my opinion, to win a, win the rest of their games if they're anywhere close to that because the only way you can win the games left on your schedule, the next nine games, with a third down offense that bad is if you're just ripping off 50 yard plus touchdown after 50 plus yard touchdown. That's it. Yep. And and there aren't many teams good enough to do that. There just aren't. So that's gonna have to be an area that's gonna improve. So I give Notre Dame the slight advantage here, Ryan, in, in this matchup. I do, I, I think it's it's all of them are close to even. I just hmm. think that that this matchup is slightly favors Notre Dame because of the red zone difference is really the big thing for me. Is, is where I see this being a potential area for success. And I think that's an area where Notre Dame can and should continue to have success. If they can keep that red zone success and then start moving the ball more effectively, you're going to see the points per game jump way up because that's how you score, right? I mean, you every time we get in the end zone or in the red zone, we're getting touchdowns. And just so you know, mm-hmm. for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm confident Ryan agrees with me, I don't care much about that number in the red zone. I care about that number in the red zone. I care about the 100%. touchdown percentage. You can be a bad scoring offense in a high red zone team, but if you're not giving – and you could be a team that – like Notre Dame last year. Was it last year that Notre Dame had a really – might have been Clark Lee's last year. But there was a year recently where Notre Dame's red zone defense ranked like in the 90s. because teams, when they would get in the red zone, would score a lot. It was – yeah, it was Clark Lee's last defense in 2020. They ranked 89th in the country in red zone defense – they ranked 23rd in touchdown defense. What that meant was they they were playing kickers that were making all their field goals. They couldn't stop people from yeah. making field goals. Now, this is a bit of a bend, but don't break defense in 2020, right? But mm-hmm. they were holding teams to field goals. But you, you had a hard, hard time scoring on that team in the red zone. I'd much rather have that than a team who, like North Carolina, you know, they're – when teams get into the red zone, they're scoring touchdowns, right? Like that's, you don't want to be there. You, I don't care what your red zone, the 100% doesn't bother me if I'm a North Carolina fan. It's because it's early in the year. It's only seven possessions. It's this number. Like if, yeah. if team, if they were giving up a, a thousand or a hundred percent, but they, you know, three of the, three of the seven were f- touchdowns and the other, the others were field goals and you'd be okay. We're not that we're, we're, we're we'll get it figured out. So I think that's kind of, that's kind of the the way that i'd look at it ryan so that's kind of how i view this particular aspect of this matchup
2: yep i think it's perfectly perfectly uh perfectly illustrated man it's it's again it's a bad versus bad somebody's going to come out on top and it's going to be another huge indicator of who's going to win this football game because right now both units are struggling but it's Mm going to be who is i think the more mentally tough team is a good way to put it brian because you know Mm -hmm. like i I mean let's let's call the spade a spade right like Notre Dame offense right now doesn't have much confidence. I wouldn't assume, right? Mm-hmm. Notre, the North Carolina defense, I also doesn't don't. I would assume does not have much confidence right now. So this is a game where you build confidence. So interesting to see how this one unfolds. Let's dive into the defensive matchup here, Ryan.
1: And let's start mm-hmm. with Notre Dame's run defense against North Carolina's rush offense. This is a huge advantage for North Carolina on paper, and not just on paper practically. North Carolina runs the football, has run the football well. Notre Dame has struggled to stop the run. That includes against a Marshall team that honestly isn't that good with its rushing offense. They're not as good as Notre Dame made them out to be. Uh, they weren't yeah. that good running the football against Norfolk State. It was mostly just their players were better uh, than the other players. And, you know, they they ran it okay against Bowling Green, right, 191, 5.2 yards per carry. That's a solid day. The Notre Dame made mm-hmm. them look like world beaters on in the run game. And they just they had they're just not good. They they were much better against Cal. Much better against Cal. Now, where they gave up numbers in the against Cal rushing where the quarterback scrambles in the pass game. But as far as just pure running outside of two plays, they were very good. The difference is this is a much more complex running attack, not so much schematically, Ryan, but because yep. of all the other stuff that they do. It's a much more Complicated, off, or I don't even think complex is, is, is and complicated is the right word. I think the 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 thing that I would say it's more of, it's just it's more more of a challenge to stop because of all the other stuff they do, the motions, the the shifts, the screen game, the RPO game, where you could have. I mean, there's things they could do where if they play if they play North Carolina the same way they played Cal. They're pulling the ball out and throwing behind it. Right. And that's mm-hmm. that's the that's what makes it challenging. So and even it's the wildest thing, Ryan. We've both talked about this. I'll watch North Carolina and be like, eh, the running game's just blah. It's just meh, it's just there. Then you look at the numbers, like, oh, they ran for two forty. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's it's just because it's not a real, it's not a real physical offensive line. And that's my no. Big knock on Phil Longo. I, he can get more physicality out of this offense. He needs to. That's the only thing holding him back. And and you know it, it's there's good talent running back, but not great talent. You just you just kind of watch him, and you're just like, yeah, I'm not really blown away. And then all of a sudden, you look down, and they got 200 plus yards a game. And it's yep. uh, it's the darndest thing. It, it really is the darndest thing.
2: It, it's it's strange to watch i mean it really is like it's because like you said the offensive line's not great i mean the running backs i mean like marion hampton's a talented player sure george Petaway is a talented player caleb hood I, mean, I think, is they're not javante williams and michael carter right uh, not even like, close not even that, close that's right now, one
1: where now. you i loved watching that those guys run because you're like these are dudes i mean yes.
2: these are nfl kids these are dudes Javante Williams is in like my top five of players over the last like ten or fifteen years that I would not want to tackle in college football, right. man. Like that dude was a runaway freight train. And then the very next play, you have five foot eight, one hundred ninety five Michael Carter coming into the game who's super shifty, right? Like that's the yeah. guy that actually, if I remember correctly, in Notre Dame's twenty twenty game, it was Michael Carter that actually had more more explosive runs than Javante had that day, right? Like mm-hmm. I think they had a pretty good yeah. attack as far as stopping Javante Williams, but but that's kind of. They're definitely more Javante Williams types of this running back, at least from a style perspective. Like Marion Hampton's 220 pounds and he's a downhill type of kid, right? Caleb Hood's kind of a 220 plus pound kid. George Petway's a little bit of a bigger back as well. So these are true downhill runners. They're not incredibly elusive or creative as running backs. And it's, it's only, I don't know, Brian, if you agree with this, but like it, in a typical Phil Longo system, I feel like the running game is kind of the, kind of where they want to be right and then the passing game is is i don't want to say an extension but like it's a pretty balanced attack for the most attack for most part i feel like the running game is kind of more of an extension this year of the passing game but they kind of lull you to sleep a little bit is kind of the best way i would phrase it so there's some talent but i didn't watch any of those running backs run and just go like oh man that guy worries me you know like again good running backs just to your point There's there's not a Javante Williams in that group right now. There's not a Ty Chandler even in that group, in my opinion, right now.
1: I I think you're right, Ryan. I think in the past, the run game is where he wanted to start. He understood if we can establish the running game, it's going to make our vertical passing game so much better. It's going to make our screen game so much better. And it was typical of what we've said in the past. It was an inside-out build. Most teams are inside-out builds. We've seen teams that have been successful with the reverse Alabama in 2020 was the reverse of that. LSU in mm-hmm. 2019 was the reverse of that they were an outside in team right and there's not a right or wrong it's just what most people do and I and I and I, I prefer the inside out build if I if all things are equal. I think Notre Dame right now as I've said has to reverse engineer their offense a little bit and go more outside in and that's what North Carolina's done so far, Ryan is they haven't had the talent up front to just hammer people i think their backs are are they have talent in the backfield it's just yeah it's just not michael carter javante williams but those guys can play very young very young running backs right yeah their offensive lines their issue it's like you you had said something to me you texted me the other day when 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 you were watching so you said dude if they could block this offense would be almost unstoppable and that's the crazy thing cuz you're saying that about a team that's averaging 237.3 rushing yards per game. And that's what mm-hmm. makes it wild, right? Ryan is that's what's like, okay, hold on a second. Like, you know, and that's that's the that's the feeling I I hadn't do, started d- diving into the app state the georgia state film yet, but that was the impression that I came away with after the opener against AM or a uh, uh, Florida AM where Yeah, I know the yards were there, but I even said on this show, I was like, I wasn't impressed with their run game. Like, yeah, I know the yards were there, but I wasn't impressed with their run game. And I Mm -hmm. wasn't overly impressed with their run game against App State. I wasn't impressed with it against Georgia State. But then you look at the numbers, and it's like, okay, but they're getting their yards. That's the key, and that's what Clark Lee's game plan in 2020 was all about. Clark Lee said, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us throwing the ball down the field. And early Mm -hmm. on, they did, Ryan, and they hit a couple big plays early. But after the first couple series, Notre Dame figured that out Clarence Lewis came in, really settled things down, and they shut him down because they were not going to allow North Carolina to get the run game going. Al Golden's going to have to take a similar approach. My concern is that he was going to go, and from what I'm told, he was going in that route against Marshall and then just reverse course and went with more mm-hmm. of a passing-oriented game plan, and it crushed him because they were not prepared to defend the run. I'm concerned that they're going to have a pass-oriented game plan against North Carolina, and it's going to allow them to rip them with the run game, which is going to allow that offense to just start leaning on Notre Dame, which then opens up. Then Brandon Joseph has to get more involved in the in the run game, and then that's going to open up some big play opportunities down the field. And they take so many shots down the field that they're going to hit a few if you if you if you they're allowed to get the run game going. They, what they did in 2020 is they took the run game out schematically, but also just the D line dominated. I mean, they mm-hmm. dominated that there was a there was a third down play where Adi Ogandiji was actually in the game, comes out, comes off the ball, just hammers the the defense, the the offensive tackle. Javante bow, actually it might have been Michael Carter. One of the two running backs bounces it. He basically just disengages and chases him down at the line of scrimmage. I mean, just because it was a great set edge where he knocks the guy back, forced the bounce, but he never let the guy get into his body. So he just mm-hmm. – because he had such long arms, he just never let him go to his body, and he just comes off and makes the play. And they're just yep. – like North Carolina guys were making cuts and getting like three, four – like four or five yards past the line of scrimmage, but they were two-yard gains. Not not the line of scrimmage. Getting like three to four yards, five yards past the offensive line. But they were only two-yard gains because Notre Dame was just driving the Carolina guys in the back. Because it is a slow, passive running attack. It's, it's inside zone that – Kind of looks like mid-zone, right? If somebody told me it was mid-zone, I wouldn't be surprised. It's outside zone. It's counter. It's G-rap. It's quarterback draw. All stuff with a pe- there's passivity to how the offensive line plays. A yes. good defense. And this is why this is why Clemson constantly dominates Wake Forest. And we'll see if they can do it again this week. Because Clemson, so many teams, the mistake they make against Clem- Wake Forest is, okay, we can't be too aggressive because they're going to pull and throw. And Clemson says, no, forget that. We're going to push their offensive line into the quarterback and not give him the time to do that crazy slow read because we're going to push his mm-hmm. guards right into the quarterback. That's yeah. them, And that's what Stanford used to do to Oregon. We've talked about this. Crash the mesh, right? Force him to declare where he's going to go with the ball. Same thing with the triple option. I've been arguing for years. Best way to tra- attack the triple option is – attack. Is to, best way to stop the triple option is to attack it force the quarterback to declare early cuz if he's got a pitch before he gets to the edge of the line or to the perimeter, you now know where the back is going and they've never had great backs. It's the same way against Carolina. If they want to run this stuff, then you freaking take that offense. If you see a if you're the defensive end and you've got to set the edge and you see a guy pulling, then you take that offensive tackle and you drive him right into the puller. Drive him right into the puller. Right? And that's how you stop this run game. You know, be aggressive up front. You know, gap discipline is important. It's not just everybody shoot through a million gaps, but be aggressive, reset the line of scrimmage, and then attack. If you do that, then that allows you to stop them with your box. If you can stop their run game with your box, you've got a chance. If you have to yes. start getting your safeties and your rover and your 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 you know your corners more involved in the run game, that's where they become dangerous because then those guys start peaking, and that's when the RPO and the play-action game starts ripping you for big plays. If you can dominate the line of scrimmage, drive them back, be aggressive. If he takes a passive, defend the width of the field, protect the pass game type of approach, then North Carolina is going to have success running the
2: football, which means success overall, in my opinion. There's no doubt. Well, I mean, the, the starting point for me is that the offense line is not good. You mentioned that already, right? I think a left tackle is our best player, and even he is madingly inconsistent, right? The right tackle is not very very good, center's fine, right guard is not very good, and left guard is fine, right? So you have two okay players basically on your offensive line if you're North Carolina. You need to dominate the line of scrimmage, Brian, because like you showed that rushing attack that can kind of lull you to sleep, right? Well, can't lull you to sleep this week, man. You got to dominate up front. And then the other big thing is if you're playing aggressively, I understand that Drake May is a pretty good athlete. Like he's a solid athlete, right? Like he's had some pretty good rushing numbers so far. He's another guy that off of off script plays can run the football and kind of scramble and do all those types of things. But again, we saw it last year with Sam Howell. You need to get the quarterback on the ground, man. Like this is this mm-hmm. is a game where I think Notre Dame can stop the run to a high degree, but they can't let these scrambles just kind of extend drives and convert third mm-hmm. downs and do all that type of stuff. It's up to the defensive line to create pressure and finish, but also the linebackers need to be a lot better this week. They have to be. It, this is one where I don't necessarily want to spy Drake May all the time because I don't think he's that much of a rushing threat. But you can't. He can't break the pocket, and then your linebacker just whiffs, or is late in pursuit, or takes a bad angle heading to the sideline, like we saw Maris Loifel last week, right? So that's the biggest thing: is that we've talked about not only the running game being at a good rate so far, but also the quarterback has been a little bit of an extender too. So the first and second levels of this Notre Dame defense need to finish plays. They have to. This is not this second effort runs and scrambles have to be eliminated in this game you have to be able to win on first contact win early in reps and you do that because of what you just said be aggressive go for it man cause hate mayhem cause chaos that's how Notre Dame wins this game up front and their offensive their defense line versus the offensive line should again in theory on paper be a massive advantage for Notre Dame they have to go out and do it but I'll take Isaiah Fosky against either one of these offensive tackles. I'll take Jason right. Adam against any interior defensive line, uh, offensive lineman, excuse me. This is another game where your dudes need to be dudes on the defensive right. side of the ball.
1: Because to your point, Ryan, I agree with everything you just said, but I also would have said the same thing last year. And North Carolina rushed for 224 yards against Notre Dame last year. Yeah. And and you know, so so yes, you are correct, but it comes down to ex, gain execution, and then then it is, does come down to containing the quarterback. You know, North Carolina went for five sixty-five and seven point nine yards per carry against their name last year. If that happens again this year, it will it will be a loss, in my opinion. I, I think it will yep. be a loss. So they're gonna have to they're gonna have to execute better, like you said, they're gonna have to control the line of scrimmage when you get shots in the backfield and you will make the plays. I think you nailed that's the big part, Ryan, that you hit on. If you get a chance for a minus, you got to get a minus. You have to yes. get a minus, and and that's where this, this team needs to be. So run game is going to be a very intriguing matchup. Slowing that part of it down is going to be very, very important. Uh, Notre Dame did not do a great job of that last year against Carolina. They did a tremendous job of that in 2020. I mean, here's what North Carolina's rushing numbers were that year before they had a 338-yard game a 326 yard game, a 394 yard game, a 184 yard game against Carolina, in a year game they threw for 374, they had 192 against Wake Forest the week before. They were coming in 2020, they were coming off a game they scored 59 points, they had scored back-to-back 50-point games. And really they had scored at least 41 in four straight games, 794 42 yards and 8.9 yards per play is what they were averaging coming in that game. Notre Dame held them to 298 yards of offense. 87 rushing. And that's where it was about. It's dominating in the trenches, uh, which stopped the run game, made you able to defend everything else. And when you consider how many yards Carolina had, they had almost 100 yards on the first two drives alone when they jumped out to a 14-7 lead. Notre Dame settled down and and really dominated. They didn't really cross midfield again until the second half when they had their field goal drive. And a lot of that was without Kyle Hamilton. So it's because what they do that day, Ryan, they dominated the trenches. And when they had opportunities to get minuses, they got minuses. And that's, that's the thing that's, that's going to be different about this. So let's go to the pass game, Ryan. This is a very intriguing matchup. I actually think this is, I gave this one an even matchup to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why is I, I, I do think that Notre Dame's, Notre Dame's numbers relative to North Carolina's are similar, even just without context. When you look at the context, I think that's where you start getting a little bit more impressed by this matchup because when you consider that that part of it is Notre Dame played a team in Ohio State that had the number one pass offense in of the country last year. They they played them in the opener and that was obviously a, a big part of the success that they had. I think holding Ohio State to 200 and what was it, uh, uh, 223 yards. It's a pretty good day's work. Marshall had the best yards per attempt against Notre Dame at 6.9. So it's not like the five point against Cal dragged the number way down, and it's not as impressive. I mean, North Carolina or Ohio State was only six point six. The highest quarterback rating an opponent has had so far is one forty nine point nine by Cal or by Marshall. Right? Uh, C.J. Stroud was only at one forty five point one. You know, so when 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 you look at what Ohio State normally does, the next week against Arkansas State two twenty six, the next week against uh, Toledo two fifty six point seven three. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just you just don't see that from Ohio State very often. So I I think that the 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 context of the competition is why I think you can argue that it's an even matchup for Notre Dame. But there's a there's a theme, Ryan, that exists in this matchup that also exists in the previous one, and it's right here. This is mm-hmm. the big thing right here, and it, it, it like when you talk about playing defense, it's about the great defense is doing one thing then helps you be better at the other thing. If you're dominating line of scrimmage in the run game with aggressiveness and and controlling lanes and controlling edges and things like that, you're also going to have success in the pass game. The best blitzing teams on first and second down are teams that use run blitzes that then go through the run to the quarterback. If it's a pass, right. And, and that's, that's what that's the best scheme things as opposed to just a pass blitz on first down, or a run blitz on first down that if they're not running you you're kind of in trouble, you know, if somebody better peel back, you know. Uh and that's going to be that's going to be the big part of it. You know, and now the caveat is they get Josh Downs back in this game. That's going to be an important sure. part of it, right? Getting Josh Downs is a dude. And that's why this matchup right here is so important. You mm-hmm. cannot give Drake May time because here's the thing about Drake May. One of the things I like about him as an evaluator of him you know, regardless of what the matchup about Notre Dame is, just me watching the kids' film, he's a tough kid, Ryan. He's shown some toughness yes. in his first few starts. Like He will hang in there and take a shot. He will take some chances. He's a very confident quarterback. I like that, personally. I like that. I I like a kid that's even bordering on cocky, as long as it's not disrespectful. And, <clears throat> no, that's not a shot at what he said about NC State. That was funny. Okay? Lighten up, people. Right? That was funny. I, can't, I, as I someone, can't believe that was even a story, man. That was so lame. People so are lame. don't even get me started on the sensitivity of our culture right now, but it was funny. And has someone who spent a yeah. year in the state of North Carolina in college, that's been around before Drake May was born. Okay. That joke's mm-hmm. been around in every state school, every, every state in the country. Anyway, just like they joke about how kids from Carolina can't get into Duke. Right. I mean, whatever. Lighten up. However, when I look at this this kid, the thing I love about him is the thing that could play into Notre Dame's favor if the defensive line dominates, because he will take some chances, and if you can harass him enough, some of those chances are going to be plays where you can make a play on the ball. Notre Dame, yep. here's the crazy thing: in the previous twelve, the previous thirteen years, going back all the way to two thousand nine. So Ryan, like this is this is wild. Going all the way back to 2009, I have not been able to find any period of time where Notre Dame went more than two games without intercepting a pass in the same season. Now, the hmm. longest stretch they had was 19 to 20, the last two games of the season to the first two games of the season. But in one season, I've never I've never seen it where Notre Dame went three games without forcing a, without forcing an, an interception. And I've never seen them have more than two games uh, where they didn't force a turnover, period. So mm-hmm. even the stretch of 19 and 20, that was just interceptions. I- I'm going back to pre- pre- past years. Last year, they had a stretch of two games against North Carolina Navy. They had a stretch of two games in 2020. Stretch of two games. Uh, or uh, No, actually, I was looking at the turnovers lost. I was like, well, that's actually better than I thought. No, they had only had one game last year that they didn't force a turnover. One game the whole year against navy the year before they only had four games the whole year that they didn't force turnovers never more than one game in a row 2019 they had a two-game stretch against usc and michigan outside of that they forced at least one turnover in every game the previous year only two games total without a turnover that's 2018 2017 they had three games total where they didn't force a turnover three games total 2016 only had two games total they didn't force a turnover 2015, only two games total. You get the point, right? A stretch of three games without forcing a turnover, I've never seen before from Notre Dame. So does that trend continue, or do they finally get get it? Now, the interesting thing is they haven't really been close to a lot of turnovers, to be honest with you. No. And And that's the strange thing. But that's also why the defense has to be impactful. Because we started yes. to see Carolina – or Cal forced a couple turn. Cal had a couple turnovers, apparent turnovers in the, in the fourth quarter against their name. Why? They were both on plays when the quarterback was pressured. You had the interception mm-hmm. of Clarence Lewis that got called back because of the dumb play by J.D. Bertrand, and then you had the the play that they thought was they ruled a fumble that was he was down. But what did it come off of? Quarterback getting hit trying to throw the ball away. That's how you make them. When the when yep. the D line showed up, you started to see Cal get closer and closer to turnovers. Right. That's why this is key, Ryan. If they can dominate in the trenches, harass Drake May because he's a gutsy, gritty kid. And I say that as a compliment. I like watching this kid play a lot. And he has a chance to be the best Carolina quarterback in a long time. And, Ryan, you know how much that means for me to say because you know how much I love Sam Howell, right? And and that's me saying that after three games. Now, again, it's early. Let's see him Mm -hmm. play a team like Notre Dame first. But I really like this kid. But part of the thing I like about him is the thing that can hurt him if a team can, hurt, can harass him. And that's going to be the key. Because if you can consistently get pressure on him, he will force some balls. He will take some yep. chances. He will try to throw a ball that he that that you hit him too quickly and the ball floats and you can make a play. Those are going to be the keys for Naram because he's never faced the size and speed that he's going to face on Saturday, with all due respect to Georgia State and App State and Florida AM. He's never faced the kind of talent, length, and size, and speed that he's going to face from Notre Dame on Saturday.
2: It's funny, Brian. I feel like there's two different ways of thinking about defense ideologically to forcing turnovers. One is what I think we both agree on is that pressure creates turnovers, right? And then the other one is, hey, let's let's play back a little bit. Let's let them nickel and dime us a little bit, but we're going to force them to, to have to – use a lot of plays to score and more plays equal more opportunities to potentially make a play. Right. But I am definitely more on the, the former there of creating pressure and creating may mayhem and mischief and chaos or whatever, however you want to coin it. Like I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of pressure. Right. So I agree with you in the sense that right now, Drake may is a very confident kid in the pocket, man. Like he, I put on the board yesterday, boards.irishbreakdown.com, you can see underneath there just kind of a little rundown of some of their offensive main, you know, best offensive playmakers. And obviously I started with Drake May and for a Richard freshman, I call him unflappable right now. But the thing about it is, is that he hasn't played a defense that can make him become unflappable, right? Like he hasn't been under a crazy amount of pressure. He's a very, he's a very rhythmic type of passer where he's just trying to get right into what he's doing. He's pretty methodical when he gets it going. Right. But to Brian's point, there are plays where he'll hold the ball and he'll let things develop. And he's very confident inside the pocket. And he has pretty good movement skills for, for a guy that's a little bit of a bigger cat, you know, six, four and a half, 220 pounds. So this is, again, I go back to it, Brian, we talked about it on the running yeah, Brian, game side. He's of not things.
1: your typical six foot four, 220 pound kid. I mean, no. he's a good athlete. I, I, I won't be shocked if I found out he played like basketball or baseball or something like that in high school. I, wouldn't I, think, I
2: think I think he did. I'm pretty sure I looked exactly. at his bio the other day and he was a, ba- he was a baseball basketball player. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Shock don't me. quote me on that one, yeah. but wouldn't shock he, yeah, man, he's, he's a, re- he's what I really love about him though, Brian. It's not just quantified by like his ability to run the football. Like he's a good mover in the pocket, right? Like he buys subtle, his subtle movements that kind of buy him a little bit of extra time. But I talked a little bit about the defensive line importance in this game, the front seven importance, It comes from the run game perspective and the pass game perspective. They have to get to this kid and they have to get him a little bit uncomfortable because the first three games of the season wasn't really uncomfortable for him. Right. And at the end of the day, although I agree, I think this kid's extremely talented and my NFL draft hat is already on with this kid. Like, wow, this might be a dude. This might be a guy, you know, this might be that type of dude. But at the end of the day though, he's a redshirt freshman that is only starting his fourth football game on the college level, right? So he's still an inexperienced player from a playing time perspective. So if we if Notre Dame is able to create pressure on this young man, there are some bad decisions that are most likely in the barrel for him, right? There's going to be some time because he's not going to go his entire college career with averaging one interception every four games, right? Like that's pretty pretty outrageous what he's doing so far. I think that you're going to be you're going to force mistakes. I think Notre Dame is due for a couple turnovers this game. You have to make Drake May uncomfortable. That's the main thing. Because we know Josh Downs is incredibly talented. Talked about the tight end yesterday. Morales and Nesbitt. And the even the third stringer is a pretty good football player. Paceauer, who filled in while Downs has been out as their leading receiver, is a pretty solid football player. They have weapons. So the biggest thing is that I need to you need to make this kid uncomfortable in the pocket. You need to see if you can get to a point where he is a little flappable, that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing for me is the pressure. I think it's really going to showcase just how good this Notre Dame defense can be because right now they're facing a quarterback that has all the confidence in the world. With what he's doing.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's
1: go to the final piece of this, Ryan, and this is Advantage North Carolina. I mean, look, Notre Dame's done a nice job, but Notre Dame has given up points in situations they shouldn't give up. Now, uh, I would I would argue that the 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 that number's a, a tad misleading, uh, not by a lot, but just a tad because Notre Dame is a team that that uh, gave up a defensive touchdown or an offensive touchdown, I should say. Uh, so you take you take that out and Notre Dame is giving up uh, – excuse me, give me a second. I hit the wrong thing. Notre Dame is giving up 19 points a game, so they are sub-20. Uh, but still, even then, you, you, the points need to be down more. You, you should have made a – there's a couple stops against Cal you should have made. There's a couple stops against Marshall. you should have made. So Notre Dame defense has been better than their numbers show, but still not nearly good enough. Ryan And, uh, I think there's, there's some aspects of this where they've been able to catch some breaks. They've had a couple of missed field goals already. So that kind of counters, you know, the, the, the turnover a little bit. Uh, but the reality is is that North Carolina has been just unstoppable on offense so far. And, and I mean, they, they didn't play great against Georgia state and still scored 35 points. And the thing I liked about that game too, is they made plays when they needed to make plays you know, to put the game away. The game wasn't quite as competitive as the final score of 35 to 28. So I think this is advantage North Carolina. Uh, but for Notre Dame, it, it comes down to the previous stuff, dominating the trenches. So that way you can get North Carolina. Here, here's a big – this is a big part of North Carolina's success right here is yep. they're, they're ability to move the ball on third down has been exceptional this year, Ryan, because they are so good on first and second down. They are mm-hmm. excellent on the first two downs. Now, they haven't gotten into a a ton of third downs, like uh, like a team that's not good, but they've actually gotten into more third downs than you'd think an offense this explosive would be. They're at 13 a game right now, Ryan. That's actually a decent number of third downs in a game, right? And so, but they're converting them because they're getting into so many good third down situations, but they've also converted some longer third downs too, Ryan. And so this Mm -hmm. is a really dangerous team in this regard, and it's one where, you know, if you're Notre Dame, if you're if you're dominating in the trenches it's going to lead to first and second down success which means run stops, 0 to 2 yards, minuses which are, you know, obviously negative plays and forced incompletions. Those are the disruptions that I talk about. If you can hold a team to 2 or minus yards every time they run the football, that's a win. That's a win for the defense, right? If you can create a zero or a negative in the pass game, incompletion or sack, Those are things that lead them to more third and eights and third nines and plays like that. And that's where Notre Dame is going to have more success with those stops. And so and that's really what led to a lot of their success early in 2020 is after the jump that North Carolina got out to. Notre Dame started really having early down success, creating more incompletions, creating negatives or or zeros in the run game. And then that put North Carolina behind the chains. And when once the Notre Dame pass rush could kind of pin its ears back, and get after Sam Howell, they had more success. Now, last year they they had similar success against Sam Howell in those situations, but they missed on their sack attempts, and that allowed Sam Howell to scramble. You can't allow that because this North Carolina team, to me, is too good, Ryan, to, to turn a third and 10 into a first down or a fourth yep. and eight into a first down because of a scramble. Can't allow those things to happen. But if you can control the trenches, that puts them in more third down and longs. That's going to lead to more stops. That's how you win this football game. It's it's simple to say it's much harder to do when you're playing an offense that's this well-coached and has the kind of – again, we said yesterday, this isn't an elite talent team on North Carolina. Like their, their talent isn't such where you're like, you look and say, yep, that's 50 points a game and 547 yards per game. Yep, absolutely. Especially with, since they haven't had Josh Downs the last two games. It's it's good talent with great scheme. And yeah. and the best way to beat a team like that is to dominate the talent. And that Mm -hmm. has to begin in the because the way that you can dominate the talent that then impacts the scheme is to dominate in the trenches. And that's ultimately, as we've said throughout this breakdown, is going to be the keenest game. The front four has to play this week like they did last week, but finish better. They do that, then I think that's how Notre Dame wins.
2: Well, this isn't a unique thing to just North Carolina. Most offenses are like this, Brian. Well, actually, all offenses want to be like this. They want to play ahead of the chains, right? Like they don't want to be bad on first down to set yourself up in bad second or third down situations. Like you want to play in those advantageous situations. I think it's even more important for North Carolina because they – I think it really sets up the play-action game. It sets up the RPO game, their ability to win early on those downs, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's going to be – Yep. Screen gate, like all of that stuff, right. That the movement based stuff where you're trying to manipulate the second and third levels, like that stuff is designed off of having early success on those first down type of situations. So they want to do that. And they want to do that consistently. And and I already mentioned it when I talked a little bit about Drake may when this offense is humming, it seems very methodical, right? It's just Mm -hmm. like, everything is just kind of moving quick. Everything is getting the ball out quick. Everything is just kind of happening at a very good pace you interrupt that pace is the best way mm-hmm. like you need to make those runs of first down for zero gains. you need to get some negative plays you need to get early down sacks like those things are going to be huge huge parts of this football game in my opinion you want to mm-hmm. put a guy like Drake May like you don't want it to be a third and 3 a third and 4 where like he can just kind of sit back there and make a really quick decision you want it to be third and 8 plus you want him to mm-hmm. sit back there and have to hold the football a little longer in the pocket. That's when you're going to have your most success. So waiting on early downs is crucial. And this, these numbers even lead me to my, my early points of like, Hey, you want to be aggressive with this football team? Cause Brian, right now, if you're a bend, but don't break team and you let them get in the red zone, they're showing you right now that you, they yeah. can finish. with touchdowns And that's been an zone. issue
1: in the issue. That's been an issue in the past for Sam, for Paul Longo's offenses, but they're yeah. better teams like have, have, that's not been the issue. So, uh, this year so far, they've been very good at at touchdown percentage. They, as as the numbers show, obviously this year uh, they rank. I'm sorry, I just looked at opponent red zone percentage. Uh, this year, as you see the numbers, th- this year they're obviously a, a top ten unit when it comes to red zone red zone touchdowns. But that was kind of one of the issues they had last year. Is you know last mm-hmm. year they ranked 83rd, which is why their points were down. When you look at their points relative to their their yards per game, they were much they were down a lot from past from, you know, where, where they you'd think they would be total offense wise, right? So if you look at their total offense last year, they were 468.6, 6.8 yards per play. The year before, they were much you know, they were they were higher, but they're like they were 537 and 7.6, which is better, but not better to the point where you see the kind of drop off they had last year from a scoring standpoint. They were down at 35 points per game and and so or excuse me uh yeah 35 points per game and they had some really rough offensive games last year and part of the, mm-hmm. you know 21 points against South Carolina in a bowl game 10 points against Virginia Tech in the opener you know 22 against Georgia Tech uh later in the season and the reason they had that that success is because they had trouble on third down and they had trouble turning possessions into touchdowns and that's a big difference and you know if you go if you go look at the red zone Numbers and you and you just put the touchdowns in turn. You have the same touchdown conversion rate in 2021 that they had in 2020, 2020. You'd actually would have scored about the same, if not more, points than they did the year before. Uh, and right. and so that's I mean that's obviously like I said that's a that's a big part of this as well. And then all of a sudden you help your defense because you're getting sevens instead of threes. So yes, to your point, Ryan, you have to not let them get in the red zone a ton. Uh, and mm-hmm. Notre Dame has not been a great red zone team this year. I mean, cause to your point, you pointed to this number right here, Ryan, well, this number mm-hmm. hasn't been good either. And, and they haven't been making stops. And so that's going to be a big part of this game. So that's it for this part of the breakdown folks. We're not going to have a traditional mailbag. I actually have to, uh, finish packing and hit the road. I'm heading down to, uh, the mid Atlantic region, or I'm heading down to Virginia today. And then I'll be, uh, at, uh, in uh, North Carolina here very soon, but we did have a super chat from Antoine Johnson. He said, so uh, when is Irish breakdown going to release there? Do your effing job t-shirts. I bet they sell good. It's a good life and team uh, model. I feed money. I need money for this idea. Um, we won't be doing that. I think there's other people that are doing that. That actually is kind of funny and uh, not a bad idea, but uh, yeah, that's uh we're going to stick with the IB stuff, but I, I, I do love that. And you know, we haven't, we've talked a little bit about this. I, I'm, I have no problem with what Tommy said or did. I, I don't. And in, no. and anyone that's like, I don't know. I just have no problem with it. Right. Cause there was coaching yeah. involved, whatever it is, what it is. But, I, I, did, uh,
2: I did like Tommy. I like Tommy's response to it too. in in the press mm-hmm. conference that he was, he was at too, Brian, he mm-hmm. just kind of said like, you know, he had to say the, the one part of like, you know, I, 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 I Regret my language, even though he probably actually does He doesn't, but you know, you have to say that out loud. I mean, whatever. He should right? Well, no, I'm not, I'm not arguing that at all. It's just that you know, he's saying I regret my language, but I don't regret what I did, right? Like that's right. the tough coaching Good that I him. know Drew can handle, yeah. and that's Good for that's him. what he should say, in my opinion.
1: And honestly, if Drew Pine is going to fold because he got cussed at in the middle of a game, then he's not a guy that you're going to win with. But you and I both know that's mm-hmm. not something that's going to drag Drew Pine down. It's not. No. He's a tough kid. His older brother was a linebacker, right? It, you know, th- don't let the private school Connecticut thing fool you. Don't let the <laughs> six foot 190 fool you. Drew's a tough kid. Drew's a tough kid. And he comes from a tough family. You know what I mean? Like like football, tough. I mean, his par- his dad played football, his grandfather played football, his brother played at Brown. Uh, his brother played at IMG, right? I mean, so this is a this is a football family. And and Drew's a tough kid, and he's gonna be fine from that regard. I mean, he's got to play better. But he's not going to he's not gonna shrink because of, you know, getting yelled at or whatever. He's got to play better. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm glad that he said what he said. I mean, that's fine. You, you have to somewhat do the mea culpa because NBC had it on. I mean, it just That ticked me off, man. Like, if I'm yeah. Tommy Reese next game, I'm just going to have a big giant water bottle. Actually, probably like three giant water bottles just sitting like right there. Like, my wife buys these water bottles from Costco. They're like this tall. I'd have like four of those just <laughs> so lined no can up see between them. me and the camera. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, he's going to so, make a barrier anyway. of water bottles. I love Seriously. That. I love Seriously. it. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but anyway, that that's my two cents on that. So that's going to do it for today's show. We will have another show tonight, obviously 6 o'clock. It'll be the IB Nation Sports Talk team. Sean Styers will be hosting that. Ryan and I will be back tomorrow for our keys to the keys to victory. Some of them we talked today, but we're going to go really into specifics of what Notre Dame can do on first and second down uh, to win this game, what specifically they can do in the in the run game and pass game, what specifically they can do to slow down Carolina. I mean, we've talked general control of the line of scrimmage. We'll get into some more specifics tomorrow, some more situational discussion tomorrow. And then, of course, Friday it is prediction time. And then we will not only make predictions and preview the Notre Dame game uh, but we are also going to have some fun with some other games, right? And we have decided on those games, and I'm going to let people know what those are now. I'm just trying to pull up the picks. Uh, we're going to talk about the Clemson-Wake Forest game. We're going to talk Tennessee-Florida, Arkansas-A&M, and Ohio State and Wisconsin. And we're also going to pick our upset pick. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question here, Ryan, before we get out of here. Yep. What else does Kansas have to do to stop being huge underdogs in like every game? Like they were ten oh, and no, a half can, point underdog to Northwestern, uh, Duke. I'm talking about. Why is oh, Duke, Duke? Yeah, Duke. Duke is what I meant to say. They they were ten and a half point underdog to Northwestern and slapped them. They're now a six and a half point underdog to Kansas. Now look, Kansas is having a really nice year, but so's Duke. So mm-hmm. that one surprised me a little bit, to be honest with you. But yeah, there must be no respect in the betting world for Duke right now, even though they're three and zero and they've they've had some pretty convincing victories so far, Ryan. Which is. A little surprising to be honest with you. Mike Elko, one of my favorite dudes, uh, is off to quite a start. They're average. They're outscoring their first two opponents, thirty six point seven to fourteen point three. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. No. It's not bad at all. So nope. uh, that that was your upset pick this week too. That was right. That was my, upset which is why pick, I'm man, yeah. I'm setting you up for that because I just I, I don't under I, I like what Kansas is doing, but man, nope. Duke is getting no. They're not. Duke's not getting the same level of respect that that Kansas is getting right now.
2: Duke has uh, Duke's getting good quarterback play too, Brian. And I think that there was one misnomer with that team that Mike Elko took over is the fact that Duke has some decent defensive talent, like Shaka Hayward and Dwayne Carter, a defensive tackle. Like there are some guys there, man. So I like what Elko's done early on in this in this tenure here, and I think that I think they are going to go on road in Kansas and pull that upset, yeah. which is why it was my upset pick for a little tease. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Dwayne Carter is a kid that Notre Dame recruited for a little bit coming out of high school. He's a Cincinnati kid, so he's good a player, good football man. player. Yeah, he's a good football player. Yep. So, yeah, they uh, I don't know if they offered him. They might have offered him, but he didn't have a committable offer, but they definitely looked at him, so he's a good football player. And, they, and they've had some surprisingly – I remember Kobe Kwanzaa, right, a couple of years ago. Uh, they had really good – like around 19, 18 to 20. it was about 16 to 19. They had really good secondary talent. You know, yep. a couple years ago, they had two really good defensive ends uh, when Notre Dame played them. And was it 2019? Cr- Chris, Chris Rumpf, Rumpf and, and number fifty one. Victor. um, Victor, um D- D- oh, D- geez. D- McKay. J- yes, yes, yes. Yes. I yes, I pronounce yes. Yes. It. Yes. That's who that. But that's who I'm thinking of uh, is, is that kid right there. And then they had uh, was it last year? They had a kid. Yeah. D. D- is who we're who we thinking of, and then they had the Derek Tangelo kid who transferred what to Penn State. They had drew Jordan a couple yes. of years ago. They they've had they've thrown out some pretty defend pretty good defensive talent for their level. Their offense has been their issue has been offense. They have not mm-hmm. been good on it, which is surprising when you consider who their head coach has been the last few years. I know they just were never the same on offense after Daniel Jones left. So anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss all of that kind of stuff and even more, and uh, we'll have some great breakdowns. Ten o'clock a.m. on Sat- Saturday. 10 o'clock Eastern in the morning. Uh, obviously we'll have uh, Sean and Vince, Sean Styers and Vince will have the IB countdown to kickoff. And then of course, game's going to be at three 30 and me, Ryan, Sean and Vince will be there for the post game show. So tons and tons of content. And of course hit that like button, everybody hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share the podcast, sign up for the message boards, Boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Uh, a lot of good discussion going on there. And of course, uh, make sure you sign up for our CFB nation uh podcasts are you know, on Apple, Spotify, also on YouTube. Uh, they dropped a, the guys dropped a show today. They talked about Herm Edwards being fired. They talked about other coaches on the hot seat. Did their week three predictions, you know, Notre Dame, is Notre Dame going to make a bowl game or not? They did some early season bowl projections, a lot of good stuff. Uh, part Episode one of what they did this week was today. Tomorrow they have a preview coming out of the week four games. And Ryan, it is going to be another really good week of football. I, Usually, like the second week two or week three, there's that one week where it's like everybody plays a bunch of garbage. There's like no good games. Now four weeks in a row, there's been good games, like a multiple really good games every week, which has made this so far a really fun college football season. If you can, if you can d- distance yourself from the feeling of being one and two there been some really good football games so far this year, and uh, some yep. surprising outcomes as well. So we'll have our picks. I'm going to try to hang on to first place. I've got some picks that are going to be a little different than everybody else's this week. So I may I may distance myself or fall back uh, with some of the picks I had. Hopefully, luckily, last week the only stupid pick I made was Auburn beating Penn State. That was dumb. Uh, so I'm not necessarily a believer <laughs> in Penn State yet, but. Uh, Auburn's garbage. Uh, speaking yes. of that, that's uh, one of the coaches they talked about being on the hot seat in the in the yes. CFB Nation, the CFP All-America podcast as, with Bill Jones. As G. he and should Auburn. be. As he should yep. be. There's no doubt about it. So uh, check that out as well, everybody. So for Ryan, I'm Brian. Have a great rest of your day, and thank you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.